Support for Great Minds is provided by The Wine Store, located at 1200 Central Avenue in Naples. The Wine Store offers a unique selection of wines from small production, artisan, and family-owned wineries. Their in-store wine education center hosts classes for the novice and connoisseur alike. Details are at thewinestorenaples.com. Grape Minds, the wine podcast that looks beyond what's in the glass to the much more interesting world of the people that make it happen, as well as the culture and history of what's in that glass. I'm Julie Glenn. This week, Gina Birch and I attended the Naples Winter Wine Festival, and we got to talk to some legends. Interestingly, the theme tended to revolve around the culture of family and sustainability, not just for agriculture, but in business, too. Here is our conversation with Bart and Daphne Araujo and their next generation, Jamie and Greg. You guys have been, how many years have you been associated with the Naples Winter Wine Fest now? Nineteen. So, almost from the very beginning. We were invited the first one, we couldn't come. Uh, and then all of our friends said, oh, you really missed a great thing. So we were there for the second one. And we've been coming almost every year since. Right. I think we've been to 18 at the 20. We've, yes. And the thing about Naples is the amount of, the staggering amount of money that's been raised, but the amount of good that has, has, has uh, been able to uh, be done with uh, the underserved members of this community. It's just, it's quite extraordinary. And, and I think there's another topic which, for another time, and that is wine and philanthropy. Mm. Um, if you look at Naples, if you look at Napa, if you look at, at a lot of the wine auctions around the United States, the amount of money that's, that's raised for the communities is extraordinary. And when you think about how much, it may seem like it, uh, uh, we just come for the parties, but the amount of, <clears throat> Uh, uh, wine that we sent, the amount of other things. It's, it's a very significant donation on our parts to do this, and we all do it willingly well, because of the results. Yeah, but especially when you have such a small production. I mean, you you know, I would want to hold on to every one of those bottles I could, and, and you give them so graciously, both here and at the, the one that's coming up in Napa. Yes, yes. Well, again, we, we look at the results, and uh, it's... Uh, it's, it's kind of heartwarming to think that um, our business can go beyond just the production and sale of a beverage, but to really produce something wonderful in our communities. How is production going right now with, with your wines, with Echendo? Well, Echendo is, uh, is doing uh, very well. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a new concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, uh, at Araujo State, we had one vineyard we sourced from one great vineyard, the Isley Vineyard, and so for about a quarter of a century, we uh, we made a single vineyard Cabernet, and then after um, Chateau Latour acquired uh, the estate, um, I guess it was my crazy idea. I said, <laughs> well, if if we made pretty good wine from one vineyard. What if we were able to source from a half dozen great vineyards and we blend it? I think we could make better wine. So yeah. that's the, the concept of Echendo is really almost to go back in history to many of the wines, the great wines that were made in Napa Valley in the 50s, 60s, and early 70s, and they were all sourced from multiple vineyards. 
Now that you've kind of been categorized as a cult whiner, cult wine, and I know this isn't a new um, label for you, do you feel a pressure to maintain a certain amount, or do you just say, "Hey, we got this. We know what we're doing," and and uh, do you kind of are you able to look beyond that? Well, I think one thing that the wine business teaches you is humility. Mm. That in in spite of the fact that you may have great properties, that you may have great winemakers, as one of our Viticulturalist says, Mother Nature always bats last. Yeah. Okay, so um, we're, we're always really at, at, at the mercy of, uh, of what Mother Nature gives us, and, and how we respond to it really has a lot to do with, uh, uh, with the end results. But I think it's, it's what makes us feel so good, because we're, when we get to the end of a vintage, and we actually have been able to produce something wonderful, it's, it's quite meaningful. Right. And it's not easy. It's it's maybe one vintage out of ten is easy. Mm. The rest always have their 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 challenges. Let's talk about the family aspect because um, you know that's a big deal. I, I think um, when you look at the bigger picture and how many of these big corporations are coming in and buying up the the family vineyards and and I've we've interviewed people who say uh, I just can't find anyone in the family to step in because of what you said it's a hard business and mother nature always has the last say and then you have the economics and the import and the export and there's just so many things that go into uh, making wine you've been able to maintain and actually grow the family presence in your company well, interestingly, I think that there is that perception and certainly some reality to it that some corporations have come in and they've bought the Mondavis, which was, mm-hmm. a, it's, it was a huge shock to the valley because the Mondavis sort of were Napa Valley and, and, and we miss them as a family. But then if you look at their, um, their children and their children's children, they're in the wine business. You know, Tim has Continuum, Michael mm-hmm. has his folio, and now the grandchildren have their own projects. So the, the family's... The rain, the yeah. Pinot Noir. Oh, so yeah. Good. So good. Mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Let's just take a moment yeah. to reflect on how good that Pinot Noir yeah. is. I mean, I mean, truly. And so these are next generation and beyond where they have the passion, they've had the joy of these harvest and these wines and it's in it's in their genome well, so, so carissa mondavi mm-hmm. works yes. for her father continue yeah. mm-hmm. maya dalabali works for her mother mm-hmm. at, and at maya um shannon yeah it's the chapelets there's so many yeah, generations just, now uh, and in fact i <clears throat> what i need to do is actually make a list like because a family tree, and I think Bart mentioned earlier that we're as a family chairing the Napa Wine Auction this year, and one of our three pillars is families slash generations to really highlight the passion that runs through families in Napa. And I mean, we we arrived in Napa in 1991 without any history in the valley, and now. The kids are coming along, and, and they're, they're inspired by it, and we think some of their children, well, I mean, Greg's daughter is saying she wants to be a winemaker. She doesn't know what that means, but um, there is this, this, <laughs> this idea that um, you really have a community, and really the families in France that are here, the, the Antonoris, I mean, they're 26 generations. It, it, there's a passion there, and if you were to speak to the Napa Valley Vintners Association, they would tell you that it's like 90% of the wineries or more are family-owned. So, yes, there are some big 
It's funny you just don't you don't really hear about you that don't as much. Hear you know? it, but that's the tr the reality of it. And that's maybe it's because we all clutch our pearls so much every time something small gets purchased, and yeah. we're like, oh, there goes another great one. It's going to be mass produced or whatever. Well, for example, there was a very recent sale of uh, the Garvey family, who've been in the Flora Springs. Flora Springs. They sold to a French family, the Cotillards. And so, you know, another Smith Olafite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's family. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys you me to have gone around the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> From what I'm understanding. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and you ended up back in the valley. Yep. What, what brought that on? Huh. Wow. Well, <laughs> um, is yeah. it really the best place in the whole wide world? It is one of the best places in the whole wide world, definitely. I mean, it's an extraordinary place. You know, I think it's really interesting. Obviously, having a chendo and the ability to, to work with our parents, for me, was a huge factor in, in coming back. But also... It, you know, if you'd asked me 10 or 15 years ago how many of the next generation were going to come back and take up the mantle, I would have been pretty pessimistic. I was actually quite worried about Napa. And in the last kind of five or 10 years, so many of our generation and, and younger have done what they were going to do out in the world and done other things and then come back. Mm -hmm. um, so it really feels dynamic in our generation. And I, that's a huge draw for me because I think we're kind of creating our own network and, and I guess making a new layer mm -hmm. of those, those family connections. What do you feel that that layer is going to look like in the way of wine offerings? Do you think it will remain cab, cab, and more cab? Or do you <laughs> think it will diversify a little bit? Or what do you see as the, the future, the next few generations of wine preferences coming out of Napa? I think... Um, Cab is king in Napa Valley and probably always, always will king. be. But I do think that the younger generation are bringing some really interesting ideas in terms of um, the environment and in terms of biodiversity and the, the looking at our valley in a, in a more healthy and sustainable way. And that's a big pillar of, of what you guys do. And we're talking about Absolutely. pillars here is sustainability and taking care of mm -hmm. the yep. environment for because it makes sense, and for your kids as well. For your future winemakers. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's always been, there's always been an argument in some of the old-timers um, <clears throat> as far on the farming side. It's, it's a, there's a cost analysis, and going organic is going to cost me more money to farm that way. Therefore, I'm going to maximize my profit. And I think, I think it can kind of take some younger blood, as it were, to come in and say, even if it costs me more, the consumers demand, demand it nowadays. Mm -hmm. It's not an option. You, know? you kind of have to show that you're doing... You're doing good for the environment, mm -hmm. going organic, and, and that's what people want to put in their bodies now. You know, mm -hmm. They're really paying much more attention than they ever did as to what's in the bottle and how sure. it got there. I, I would, the right I would argue do. that the, the economics of organic farming o over time uh, are, are very positive because you end up with, first of all, if you look at it from a green standpoint, you end up with, with healthier soils. Mm -hmm. um, uh, well, and if you have healthier soils, you have healthier plants. Healthier plants produce... Um, higher quality fruit, um, more uniform crops, and and uh, all that. So it's it, you know we've well we've drunk the Kool Aid because we <laughs> you know we've we've been organic since '98 and biodynamic since 2000, and uh, we've just seen extraordinary results for us in, in in doing that. So we we did it initially because we thought it was best for the planet. It turned out it's best for our business as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And I think there's also, I mean, even beyond the environment, when you're looking at sustainable business, um, whether it's uh, regenerative farming or carbon offsets um, or looking at your water usage, looking at your electricity, looking at your your people, you know, um, how are you creating a, a sustainable model for everyone and everything. And also I mean, a work it's an environment that is it's a work can in afford to live and work there. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's a work in progress and when we're certainly far from being perfect, but I think at least we're asking those questions and, and trying to address them. That's got to be a challenge where you're at because it's not a cheap place to live. That's mm-hmm. the biggest challenge yeah. is the affordability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, Julie had asked about cab and, and the things that we're doing in Napa. You guys make a pretty mean Syrah too. Right? Did. We did. We did. Oh, we're not doing that now. No, the well, the Syrah wines ended up in the hands of Chateau Latour, and they oh, decided right. to um, they were not interested in Syrah, so they pulled that and replanted the cow. Oh, okay, I so, forgot that. I that know, was I know part that of the... you've bandied about, but it's it's tough to find really, really the quality of Syrah that we were growing at Isley is is, is difficult to obtain because it's just a harder sell than Cab. So mm-hmm. people pull that and plant to Cab. So we are still making our Sauvignon Blanc, though. Oh, okay. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, at least as of last night, it was still pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be trying that today for sure. Let me let me go back to sustainability because that's one of our other pillars. Because uh-huh. it's rather interesting. It, at least when Daphne and I first envisioned it, in my mind, sustainability was all about green initiatives mm-hmm. and how we could do that. And then the more we started thinking about generations, I went. It's also about how do we sustain the the business by encouraging family members to come back into the business and continue the business. Yeah, so, you don't want to give them nutrient-deficient soil to work with. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, give them the opportunities to come back and do that. So sustainability isn't just about green initiatives. It's about the the uh, creating a framework where the next generation can come in and, and succeed in our business. And we have fewer and fewer of those large corporate takeovers and, and more yeah. and more family-owned businesses. When we go out together as uh, as, as a family, whether it's just Greg and I, Jamie and I, whatever, when there's or Daphne with 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 one of uh, one of them, the the family concept just really resonates with people. They love the fact that God, there's two generations doing this business. I mean, it's a very powerful and emotional thing. And when I look at it, it's, it's you know, you read about the, the, the next generation, what they're looking, they're looking for authenticity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not and, just a story on a label. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. made up by a marketing company. Yeah. They want that kind of authenticity. Yeah. And, and so it's, to me, this, this idea of authenticity and, and uh, we're doing it because we think it's the right thing to do and what we want to do, but it's really resonating with our customers. Yeah. It's a very powerful thing. So I'm sorry, Greg, that that was... No, I was just, it was leading back to the, you know, Jamie was living in France. I was actually in Florida, in Boca, when, when they announced to us that they were selling the Isley Vineyard. And it wasn't like a gun to your head moment. I mean, we were both doing our own things. It was, it was if you guys are interested, this is the project, this is the layout, and this is what it entails. So it was definitely, I think both Jamie and myself, I mean, we, we jumped at it, but it wasn't this thing that... This feeling of of, of if you were forced to do this, yeah, like you know, it was like star, but because of this. you've got an <laughs> yeah. opportunity. We had this opportunity yeah. to do this, and 
your mom and I are going to do this. And if you guys want to be in, then we'd love to have you. But if not, then we totally respect your decision. So I think that was, at least for me, that was important. It was something that we both kind of jumped at, but we wanted, we wanted it. And it wasn't like it was just dumped on us. Like, this is what you have to do because your last names are off. Yeah. So. And just one little thing about sort of the generations and sustainability of the Valley and creating that, that new network. One of the things that I love about Echendo is the fact that we are sourcing from multiple vineyards. We're working with grape growers who are multiple generations as well. Mm-hmm. And being able to support them in their business is also super important because when you talk about consolidation, making sure that those beautiful, extraordinary sites remain family-owned is really yeah. important. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. families and families. Yeah, you're right, Jamie. All, all of our vineyard sources are, are, are family-owned yes. and we're dealing with the second generation uh, in most cases. Fifth. Yeah, or fifth, yeah. yeah. Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producers for online media are Anna Bejarano and Tara Calligan. Technical production is by Mike Canary. Great Minds theme music for Zante is by Colin Mannon. To get in touch, check greatminds.org or leave a message on the Grapeline at 707-200-3632. Thanks for listening. <laughs>